Hi guys and welcome back to another true crime and makeup time video. I almost didn't believe today's case until I really delved further into it. Have any of you guys heard of that horrific tragedy that happened I believe in October and it was a wedding venue in Iraq. It burst into flames during the reception. I mean it was one of the most saddest things I've ever seen in my life. The wedding guests, children, elderly, they're just running for their lives. And I believe this happened because unfortunately a firework that was inside the wedding venue, it set the venue ablaze. And a day that was meant to be, you know, happy and joyous celebration ended in tragedy. Now that event was a tragic accident, but what if someone did this on purpose? What if one person set an entire wedding reception on fire for revenge. Let's get into it. Today's case takes place in Kuwait and Kuwait has weirdly happy memories for me because my uncle, I believe he used to work, travel for work around that area and he used to always bring back like Pizza Hut cups. Is that, I don't know, it was so random, but I always think of that when I think of Kuwait. Kuwait is a tiny little country and it shares its border, I believe, with Iraq and Saudi Arabia. In 2004, Nazra had just turned 18 when she married 31-year-old Zayed Zafiri. Soon after they married, they had two children, two boys. One was named Shaka and he was five and one was named Muhammad and he was three. They were known to be a loving couple who were relatively wealthy and they lived in Kuwait City on the waterfront. Not much is written about Nazra's early life. Her childhood seemed pretty simple, but she may have begun suffering from mental health issues as a child. She did not attend high school, so her education was limited, but her behavior was known to be erratic and unpredictable at times. Now I feel like mental health in some countries is undermined but in some countries it's legit taboo. No one wants to deal with or talk about or treat someone with mental health issues and it's just shushed and set aside. Due to this many people don't receive treatment let alone a diagnosis and in Nazra's case, it was exactly the same. Due to this, many people don't receive treatment, let alone a diagnosis. And this was the same in Nazra's case. However, despite her struggles, it is believed that Nazra functioned well on a day-to-day -day basis. And typically in Kuwait, the mom is the primary caregiver and Nazra was, she was a young mother of two young kids. She looked after them. She looked after the home and was a stay-at-home mom while Zayed worked and provided financially for the family. Even though they lived a comfortable life, in another way, they struggled because both their sons were born with special needs, which required Nazra to provide much more attention and care than usual. Also, these boys were so young, so anyone with kids can attest to how difficult it can be to raise kids on your own and then add special needs on top of that, it becomes even more stressful. In a marriage, a family, you know, each member of that family, they have needs. In families where the mom is doing all the caretaking and the father is doing all the providing, some cultures and families usually stick to their roles. For example, I know some families where the dad will never like babysit his own kids because that's not his job. And the mom will never be expected to pay any bills because her role is to be at home with the children and take care of the household. And then there are other families where, you know, moms and dads, they help each other and switch roles and 
everyone takes one for the team, you know? So in Nazra's case, it was like that. She was the one who was the caretaker of the family. She was the one taking care of the house. And what does that do? Leaves you exhausted, especially when caring for two children with special needs. Due to this, her marriage to Zayed was coming under strain. And this was because his needs were not being met. He found Nazra to be stressed and exhausted all the time. And one can only assume what that means for their marriage and their relationship as husband and wife. And this left Zayed unsatisfied in his marriage to Nazra. Now, a lot of you guys may come for Zayed here, but we don't know what his job entails, how exhausted he was, how he felt, and what really went on in their marriage. So according to Kuwaiti law, men are allowed to have multiple wives. The religion of Islam permits a man to have up to four wives, provided he can support them all equally. So I found this little snippet of information online and you guys might find this interesting, but if anything is incorrect, please correct me in the comments. So we talked about how they're allowed to have up to four wives, given that they're able to support them all equally, right? So if you're a male and would like to contract another marriage, the first wife should agree to the marriage. If the first wife doesn't agree, it's grounds for divorce. In majority of Muslim countries, Islam law allows husbands to divorce their wives without any reason just by stating, I divorce you, three times before it gets irrevocable. The man can apply for a divorce and after examining the circumstances, the court will grant him a divorce. After the first two divorces, the husband may nullify the divorce within 90 days, but the third time it is final and he cannot remarry her unless she marries and is divorced by another man. So I hope that made sense. And I find that super interesting that you can literally divorce someone by saying, I divorce you. Can you imagine how many divorces took place just out of like pure anger and like during a fight or something? But in saying that in the Islamic culture, divorce is not like looked highly upon, like it's not encouraged and it's considered to be very shameful. So because Islam law allowed him to, Zayed began looking for a second wife in the year 2009. He was looking for someone to fulfill his needs. Now, according to that law, Zayed's supposed to seek permission from Nazra. So I don't know what happened in regards to that, whether she gave him permission, but Nazra inside was clearly not excited about that. Here she is at home struggling, you know, caring for these two children, looking after the home, exhausted, unable to cope while Zayed began spending more and more time outside the home looking for a suitable, I guess, replacement or second wife, really. Nazra knew that when Zayed found a suitable woman, he would marry her soon after. But what was Nazra supposed to do? Nazra felt that Zayed had abandoned her, that he resented her, that he blamed her for both their sons being born with special needs. She was angry, frustrated, envious. Zayed was going to marry another woman, someone to satisfy his needs, his wants, someone to give him healthy children. And that's not me saying that. That's what Nazra is thought to have believed. Before she knew it, the day was finally here. It was August 2009 and Zayed had told Nazra that he had found a suitable second wife and they were to marry that same month. Nazra was like, great, 
You know, she maintained her cool, but she didn't react how she truly wanted to, with rage. The date was set as 15th August 2009, and before she knew it, the wedding day was here. The wedding would take place in Al Jara, not far from their family home in Kuwait City. The wedding in Al Jara was taking place at one of Zayed's homes, and I believe he was living alone in that home at the time, and wedding tents had been set up in that location. So I don't know how much of this is true, but what I read was on that day, Nazra was driving past that house and she happened to see wedding tents set up and she was shocked. And I believe over there, it's common for tents to be set up for big occasions like weddings. So it's possible that just seeing the tents alone, she was like, oh my God, their wedding is today. And I don't know if she was shocked because she didn't know when the actual wedding day was, or if she was just kind of like, holy shit, you know, they're getting married today. Like it just hit her. In Kuwait, it's tradition for weddings to be separated based on gender. So the bride, her female guests, and the children are in one tent the groom and other males would be celebrating in another tent close by. I've read many reasons why this does take place. Like one was that some unlicensed tents allow women to remove their head covering so they could like chill and enjoy themselves. But someone who knows the real reasons why it is segregated based on gender, can you please comment below and educate us. Also, these aren't just regular tents. They're like massive tents that can hold hundreds of people. It's like a luxury tent, like a five-star hotel tent, and it's a custom rooted in their nomadic heritage. I'm not sure if Zayed's wedding was super luxe, but some of these weddings are like bowling. On this night, the female tent was packed. The bride's female guests and kids and they were all eating drinking dancing and just having a really good time suddenly in the women's tent there's smoke which turns into a fire which turns into a massive blaze when the women realized there was a fire panic struck women and children began fleeing they were grabbing their loved ones their small children trying to escape the blaze in a stampede. The fire spread quickly and within just three minutes, the entire tent was engulfed in flames. It quickly burnt down. Unfortunately, there was a problem with the tent. First, it was placed in a residential area. So even when rescue teams came to help it was difficult for them to even access the victims. Then the company that set up the tent did not abide by security and safety rules. It was erected on this patch of land in a housing estate surrounded by buildings and it only had just one small exit. One exit for over a hundred guests. Many of the guests who were unable to escape were trapped inside, suffering. It has been claimed that the temperatures inside that tent reached over 500 degrees Celsius, which is 930 degrees Fahrenheit. Onlookers and family members could only watch as their loved ones remained inside the tent, desperately trying to escape. Those small three minutes resulted in the death of over 57 women and children leaving 90 others injured. The tent was made of 
highly flammable material. At first, the initial death toll was believed to be 42, but as the year progressed and the victims were in the hospital, it rose to 57. Special medical teams from Germany and Britain came over to Kuwait to help treat the injured victims. Many of these victims were hospitalized for these horrific injuries before eventually passing. I believe seven children were killed and the new bride managed to escape uninjured, but sadly her own mother and sister passed away in the fire on her wedding day. And I believe this was because Zayed and his new bride, they were not actually in any of the tents when all this was happening at the time. The bodies were so badly charred that they had to call in forensic specialists to identify them using DNA and dental records. There was burnt clothing, burnt furniture, shoes, the empty trays, you know, where the food sits in. It, it, it's like, it was a horrific sight. It was chaos. Following this incident, these venues, these wedding tents were deemed illegal due to their lack of fire safety measures and only having one exit. That night, August 15, 2009, Kuwait witnessed the deadliest civilian tragedy in the country's history. But what happened? Was it the extreme weather that caused this? An accident? Better safety measures were required? Could this have been prevented? Initially, investigators were trying to figure out what caused this to happen? Was it faulty electrical wiring? Was it the coals that were used for burning incense? And then a witness comes forward. It was a woman and she came to the police to tell them what she had seen. The police at this point also quickly realized that this was no accident, that they were sure someone had intentionally set this tent on fire. The witness that came forward was identified as Nazra's maid. She had been working for Nazra's family for a while and she came forward to say that that night she had seen Nazra near the tent carrying a bottle with her. Inside the bottle was some fluid and this fluid was believed to have been petrol. Police quickly found Nazra at home taking care of her two boys. They brought her in to be questioned due to her relationship with Zayed and almost immediately... Nazra confessed. She confessed to pouring petrol on the tent and setting the tent on fire. The police believed that this was a premeditated crime and Nazra's motive was revenge. Revenge on her husband for seeking a new wife. Nazra was arrested and charged with premeditated attempted murder and arson. Nazra was soon advised to lawyer up and that she did with three lawyers. She was tried in the court of first instance and her proceedings began on the 27th of October, 2009. During this, she denied the charges and stated that her initial confession was made under threat and coercion. The initial reaction to the death of over 57 women and children was initially grief, but then soon followed by anger. People were angry and demanded punishment for the person responsible. Nazra's lawyer believes that this anger played a role in how Nazra was tried for the crime. After her initial confession, Nazra's story had now changed. She stated that she was at home at the time the fire broke out. She never 
set fire to the tent and that her initial confession was forced out of her by the investigators. She claimed that yes, on that day, she went to Zayed's house in Algera and was shocked to see the wedding tents erected. She stated that prior to this, Zayed and her were having some marital issues and she wanted to fix their marriage the only way she knew how. So prior to August, she went to her husband's mother's house and took from her house what she believed to be magical incense to help their marriage. Now, this magical incense didn't help their marriage. Instead, it drove her husband away. He left her and wanted to marry another woman. The magic incense had the wrong effect, so she had to reverse this. So in a final act to save her marriage, she somehow got a hold of a magic potion. This magic potion was required to be thrown on Zayed's house in order to chase away the evil eye that was on their relationship. So that day she attended Zayed's house to, you know, pour this magic potion on his house and instead saw this wedding tent. So she sprinkled the potion on the wedding tent instead and then she went back home. She claims she never used a lighter to set fire to the tent and her sprinkling this magic potion on the tent is what she says that the maid saw her doing. Nazra's lawyer, Sakaf, he put forth that the fire broke out at 9 p.m. Nazra was at home at the time, nowhere near the tent. She had nothing to do with the fire. He claimed that Nazra was a naive, uneducated woman who was just unaware of what was even happening around her, that her knowledge was extremely limited, that when he would go and visit Nazra in prison, that she did not even seem to understand what she was on trial for. She would tell him everything is fine with a smile and she was just, you know, waiting for the verdict. Like she didn't really get it. Then further to this, her three lawyers called for Nazra to be released pending the full trial and accused prison officials of mistreating her. They allege that at the time of Nazra's arrest, she was two months pregnant with her third child with Zayed. While in custody, they claim that a prison guard believed to be the relative of Zayed and possibly under Zayed's instructions, with the help of an Asian nurse, forced Nazra to ingest a pill. This pill, which was passed off as a tranquilizer, caused Nazra to have an abortion. After this incident, this prison guard was then transferred to another facility. The prison failed to send Nazra to seek medical help to examine what caused the abortion, and her lawyers demanded that Nazra now be examined by a doctor to establish how she lost her third pregnancy. Under Kuwaiti law, death sentences for pregnant women are automatically changed to life imprisonment. And then even after the baby is born, the woman is still spared her life. Nazra's lawyers believe that this is the reason why they forced an abortion on Nazra so that she wouldn't be pregnant anymore to ensure that she would receive the death sentence and that her third baby would not change her sentence to life in prison instead. The prosecution presented no argument during the hearing, but did tell reporters that Nazra was charged with premeditated murder and starting a fire with an intent to kill. On 24th November 2010, Judge Adele L. Seger ordered that Nazra undergo some psychiatric testing. And this was because her defense lawyers claimed that Nazra suffered from unspecified mental disorders 
as a child. Zayed would go on to testify at her trial, as well as that maid who claims that, you know, she saw Nazra pouring petrol on the tent. While many called for Nazra to be executed for her role in the death of multiple women and children, some believed that Nazra should be able to go home at a later date and tend to her two children, considering her mental conditions and struggles in her life. The death penalty is a common sentence in Kuwait, but it is rarely enforced on women. Kuwaiti law also takes into consideration the victim's family's right to retribution. So the victim's families, according to this law, can waive their right to retribution and come to an agreement on a sentence with the court. So that means in Nazra's case, the victim's families could request that Nazra not receive the death penalty. The amount of victims, the amount of family members were significant. You would think that one person would have a different view, but not a single victim's family member waived their right to retribution. On 30th March 2010, Nazra was sentenced to the death penalty for premeditated murder, attempted murder, and arson. On June 12th, 2011, the Supreme Court upheld the appeal court's decision to execute Nazra. They did this out of respect for the victim's family, for the pain that Nazra had caused these families, allegedly. This was the first instance where a female citizen of Kuwait had received a death sentence that was upheld by the country's highest court. Nasra's lawyers did not agree with this. They were hoping that her sentence would be reduced, that she would possibly get manslaughter and serve 15 years in prison. They claimed that, yes, Nasra had a motive, a motive to seek revenge on her husband for leaving her, even though she was still technically his wife. But when did the prosecution prove that Nazra was the perpetrator? Where was the evidence? One eyewitness? In her initial confession, Nazra stated that she had taken a taxi who first took her to a petrol station where she filled this bottle of petrol and then drove her to Aljara, the location of the wedding. But where was this taxi driver? Why did he not come forward? Because he didn't want to be involved? Also, the confession of the maid is a little confusing because from a statement that her lawyer gave, he stated that the maid had only seen Nazra carrying a bottle of fluid with her, that she didn't actually see Nazra pour the fluid on the tent. But then other sources and articles state that the maid had told police that she saw Nazra pouring the fluid on the tent. So I wonder what the actual truth is in regards to that. Nazra's lawyers claimed she was tried unfairly based on emotion and was condemned based on imaginations rather than a fair and neutral trial based on facts. Nazra maintained her innocence on January 25th, 2017. At the age of 26, Nazra was executed by hanging. The media was not allowed to be present at the hanging when they usually are, and there was little negative reaction in the press. Following the tragedy, the government formed this high-level committee to investigate the incident after they were criticized by politicians who said that they were too slow in their rescue operations. Why did authorities not enforce stricter 
security and safety measures. Why did authorities not apply stricter security and safety rules for these wedding tents, especially knowing the amount of people they can hold, the fact that fireworks are allowed to go off inside it, you know, the fact that Kuwait's temperatures can reach soaring degrees. And after this, Kuwait just banned wedding tents in general. Honestly, I really don't know what to think. I feel that people are quick to you know, jump and say that Nazra was this vile, evil, revenge-seeking murderer. But where was the evidence? Maybe it hasn't been released. Maybe forensic evidence actually did place her at the scene, the CCTV from the petrol station, etc. But from the little information I could find, I'm like, I don't know what to think. I don't know if she was responsible. If she did do it, did she understand the gravity of her actions? If she was mentally ill? Either way, it's a horrific tragedy so many innocent victims so many children like i can't even imagine the horror of that day imagine being inside that tent like who do you who do you help you help yourself your children are with you like these people will forever be scarred hopefully nazra's two sons are receiving good care from someone loving i'm not sure if zayed is you know taking care of those boys and the country will never be the same. I mean, wedding tents are banned. If that's true, it's like a full tradition that's just been cut down due to this incident. It has left a huge impact on the country. <sighs> what do you guys think? Let me know your comments down below. I would love to know your thoughts. And thank you so much for watching, guys. I will see you in next week's video. Besitos. Bye.